Expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. tuned in to new abolitionist radio right here on black talk radio network my name is scotty reed um it will just be me and brother johanan tonight still waiting on brother johanan to join us often he's just getting off work and he'll join us when he can but max will not be with us tonight as he continues to uh, deal with some private family issues uh, it is March the 8th, 2017 on this Wednesday night. So glad that you took the time out to tune in to this program where we bring you news and information related to 21st century slavery and human trafficking. Uh, tonight, or today I should say, um, is International Women's Day. You may have seen uh, different posts and things trending on social media in relation to International Women's Day. And like we told you last week, women are the fastest growing segment of today's prison population. Unfortunately, the mass enslavement of women does not seem to be of major concern to those leading women-focused groups. They are more concerned it seems to me we're opposing the Trump administration on a superficial level. Despite more and more of their sisters and mothers becoming a chattel property of the federal, state, and private prisons. Some information from the Sentencing Project. Over the past quarter century, there has been a, profile cha- a profound change in the involvement of women with the criminal justice system. This is the result of more expansive law enforcement efforts, stiffer drug sentencing laws, and post-conviction barriers to re-entry that uniquely affect women. Women now comprise a larger portion of the prison population than ever before. The female prison population stands nearly eight times higher than its population count. In 1980, more than 60% of women in state prisons have a child under the age of 18. Um, So, like I mentioned, uh, Max is off tonight. It'll just be myself and Johanan. 
Uh, we will have open lines in the course, share recent news and current events related to 21st century slavery and human trafficking. If you have any information to share, please call us and share with our audience by uh, dialing 866-510-9025. That's 866-510-9025. You can also call us at 704-802-5056. That's 704-802-5056. Hit star star to unmute yourself. Please watch your background noise as soon as we see you. Uh, We will call on you to share. Please don't forget. Please don't forget. I'm going to remind you every time I come on air. Don't forget the Millions for Prisoners Human Rights March on Washington DC is going down August the 19th, 2017 and you can help organize your community and organization to be a part of this historic event to tell the world that slavery was never abolished in the USA. So once again, welcome to this broadcast of New Abolitionist Radio. Give me just a moment and uh, let me check the board. Okay, so yeah, uh, as we wait on Johanna to join us, I also was looking at some graphs and I actually shared the graph uh, that came from the Sentencing Project. It says rise in women's incarceration 1985 to 2014. Now, here is one of the troubling things. Well, it's all troubling. But here is one of the most troubling aspects or or observations that I made today. Now, we know that women, and particularly black women, but we, we're talking all women, um, supported Barack Obama's uh, uh, rise to the CEO of USA Inc., more than any other group. Yes, they did. And again, particularly black women supported him and supported his administration. So it is pretty troubling because black women especially uh, make up the largest percentage of women who are in prison. But again, we care about everyone. We don't want anyone to be enslaved, but you know, we do have to point out these things uh, because some of us just don't get that we are targets of this system. So I'm looking at this data and it seems, no, it, it doesn't seem, I'm looking right at it. It shows that between 2010, remember President Obama took office in 2008, but between 2010 and 2014 were the largest increases in both the, in the jail population, in the state prison population, in the federal prison population. This was the period of the biggest increase of yet of women being victimized and pulled into 21st century slavery and human trafficking. And it's just a shame. It's just a shame that we were so distracted with superficial things that Nobody seemed to be paying attention or the people who should have been paying attention were not paying attention. Again, I shared this graph with you. Um, It comes from the sentencing project. You can find them by just Googling a sentencing project and women. That's what I did. Women um, in in how many women in prison, something like that is what I Google. And um, I came up with a lot of results. But last week, again, last week, I shared with you that there are over one million women under control 
of the criminal injustice system. So um, at first I thought, well, I'm going to have to correct myself because this doesn't show one million women in prison. But the ACLU statistics, what they're counting, in addition to those who are in jail or prison, they're counting those who are on probation, who are under the control of some component of modern-day slavery. So that's that's pretty troubling, and I did not see anybody, you know, and I'm not seeing anyone um, did not other than myself. But I did not see too many people as I was posting stuff to social media and gathering news and information. I really didn't see anybody tweeting women's uh, tweeting about International Women's Day and talking about how women are uh, once again uh, primary victims of 21st century slavery and human trafficking, or if they want to call it mass incarceration, whatever they want to call it. I did not see a focus on that. Whatsoever. Again, I'm seeing superficial, um, superficial opposition to Donald Trump under the direction of the Democratic Party. And the Democratic Party is a, a party that takes money from these slavers. So um, it's just something for women to think about. And I want women to we really need you to turn out. We really need you to turn out on August the 19th. Uh, please check the link if you're listening on the podcast or just Google Millions for Prisoners Human Rights March. Go to that website. It's a fairly long web address. So just Google that. And if you are part of an organization, please work on those people that lead your organization to become a part of this, to co-sign on to this new abolitionist action that's going to be taking place in Washington, D.C. And again, I you know, I do understand people when they say we march all the time and what comes about because of those marches. Well, public awareness, and this is really what the organizers have really stressed. We're not saying if you turn out, in, in huge numbers or whatnot that all of a sudden they are going to be forced to address this issue of legalized slavery and human trafficking. But what we are saying is the more people that turn out, the more um, they cannot ignore, they will have to cover it. And the world, as the world already, more and more people in the world are starting to realize that slavery was never abolished. That lie that Steven Spielberg told you in his movie Lincoln and those history classes that you took even in high school and college, uh, they lied to you. And and I'm I, maybe I shouldn't say lie because perhaps they were just repeating what they had learned and never came to the realization that it was a lie because they didn't think to analyze the 13th Amendment for themselves, and they were just following along with the syllabus or or the, um, what would we call the state-approved curriculum, and so, you know, perhaps they are victims of misinformation, too, and, and then that's how we have seen generation after generation after generation fall victim to this terrible, terrible lie. So just something that I wanted to mention on this International Women's Day. Um, there are a number of news stories that I would like to get to, but again, we're pretty much having open lines tonight. 
Um, so if you want to share, please do not hesitate to call in and share. All right, so let me um, check out some of the stuff that the guys had bookmarked for us to share tonight in terms of the news and current events. There is an article from the Washington Post under true crime. I don't understand why it's under true crime unless they are saying that 21st century slavery is a crime, which it is, but I, I'm, I don't know. Uh, senators seek to reform justice system nationwide by launching a national criminal justice commission. A bipartisan group of U.S. senators introduced a bill on Wednesday, that was today, to create a National Criminal Justice Commission, which would work for 18 months to review every aspect of the nation's criminal justice system, from policing to prosecution to prisons, and then issue a set of proposed reforms for not only federal but state and tribal systems as well. Again, as an abolitionist, we push abolition. We don't push reform. You cannot reform slavery. See, that's what happened in 1865. They did not end slavery. They, quote, unquote, reformed slavery. And they simply moved it out of private hands into um, the uh, public hands of the state, of the federal government. Okay, and then later they then again gave private individuals an opportunity to get in on the slavery uh, through things like the convict leasing program, which started in the 1800s after 1865, about 10 years after 1865. So that have been like 1875, perhaps earlier, but they started uh, passing black codes, things like vagrancy, laws against vagrancy, pretty much laws against criminalizing homeless. We even see those laws being uh, reintroduced on the books today. But just uh, uh, loitering and things, I mean, it was even illegal for you to be unemployed. They criminalized the unemployed. And they used this to target the formerly enslaved who got a temporary reprieve and free black people to put them into this new slavery. And then once they got them in there, they leased them back out to private individuals um, and doing some research the other day on the first private prisons. When the private prisons uh, come into effect, I actually found out that there was a private prison that existed before 1865. So I guess they were using that that for the white people, for, you know, the poor white people uh, and throwing them in there. And, and so since they couldn't slate, uh, enslave them the way they were enslaving Africans, I guess that's a way they got around with, around that. Now, I then later found that the modern private system that we see, we often hear Ronald Reagan's name mentioned. But I actually found some research that said that this modern system actually started under Jimmy Carter, a Democrat who signed some legislation which made it easier to privatize prisons. So that's why it's important that we don't play these partisan games that that they try to put us into these boxes. You're either a Republican or you're a Democrat. Uh, I don't subscribe to such labels. I'm a human being, um, and, and that's all that needs to be said on that. But they try to play these partisan political games. I was listening to a radio program earlier today. They were talking about, 
the um, what is it? The um, legalized highway robbery that the police do through the uh, what is it? The asset seizures and forfeitures. And I was listening to this black lawyer talk about it today. And he was saying he was giving people the impression that this just started under Donald Trump that this just started when actually it started in the 1970s and then was ramped up in um, uh, 2001. This was actually a part of the Patriot Act legislation and it was supposed to be meant to target quote unquote terrorists and seize their assets. But unless they're saying that the people are the terrorists, that you and me are terrorists, uh, they've been using it on us. All right. So it is very important that when we relay this information that we do not relay it in partisan terms and make it seem like uh, uh, the Democratic slavers are more kinder and gentler and they didn't have no role in this modern system. And when it comes to slavery, uh, racist, white people uh, work together. They really do. Uh, rich people, wealthy people, they work together to exploit uh, those who are not in their status or in their class. So it's just very important that we do not engage in these conversations in a partisan fashion um, because then we are engaging in deception. All right, so this legislation, and speaking of this deception, and I'll tell you what I mean in just a minute, um, the legislation aims to accomplish what a similar commission on law enforcement and administration of justice did when it was created by President Lyndon B. Johnson in 1965. That group produced more than 200 recommendations. And again, recommendations do not have the force of law behind them. They're just saying, we think you ought to do this. Doesn't mean they got to do it. Just like when President Obama set up his policing commission, they came up with recommendations, but the police ain't got to adhere to your recommendations. And if you ain't threatening to take away their federal funding, then why should they follow these recommendations? So anyway, Lyndon Johnson produced a same group. We're seeing history kind of repeat itself. Um, and they produced 200 recommendations, which had a lasting impact on the justice system, such as calling for the creation of the 9-11 emergency call system. Now, what does that got to do with I don't know. I guess so that you can uh, report a runaway slave quicker or something. I don't know. Improving training for law enforcement. Wow. Okay. Again, 1965 COINTELPRO was in full effect. This was the FBI working with your, your state police and your local police, municipalities and what have you to target, to demonize, to, to murder, to assassinate, to frame and, and imprison uh, people involved with the civil rights movement and the black power movement. So again, this is why you have to be very critical whenever you read anything from the mainstream media. Well, really, I shouldn't just say that about the mainstream media. Anything that you read, you should look at with a critical eye. Anything we put out on our network, anything that you see me as an individual put out, you don't just take my word for it. 
I'm going to do my best to provide you with sources, but you should do your own independent research to verify what I'm saying so that you can then go to others with all the confidence in the world that you are giving them correct information. Um, so here we got Washington Post engaged in deception. This was the period. That, I mean, how did that improve the uh, justice system when COINTELPRO was in full effect and they were assassinating and murdering people? Now, this particular bill is being introduced by Senators Gary Peters, a Democrat out of Michigan, Lindsey O. Graham, a Republican out of South Carolina, John Cornyn, Republican out of Texas, with 17 co-sponsors, including Republican Senators Orrin Hatch of Utah, Thad Cochran of Mississippi, uh, Democratic Senators Claire McCaskill of Missouri, and Kamala D. Harris of California. Um, she is the latest uh, black woman. I think she identifies as black. I know she got a black parent, but um, we reported on her. Uh, she's the newest Democratic senator, but we reported on this program when she was the attorney general of California that her office in a Supreme Court case where the Supreme Court told them they had to reduce overcrowding on their prison plantations. And her office argued that, well, if we do that, if we let all these people go, all these elderly people. If we let all these people in here for nonviolent drug crimes, if we let them go, we're going to deplete a very valuable uh, labor pool that we have. We've been working these slaves out there fighting fires and paying them a dollar a day. Where can we find good help like that? You know, this is, again, this is why I do not engage in partisan banter with anyone. As soon as you start talking that Democrat, Republican stuff, I'm going to look at you like you confused. You very confused about this political system if you think that there is a major difference on the issues between the two. On certain issues like like uh, what they call LGBT issues, yeah, Democrats more stronger on that. But when it comes to the mistreatment, of, people, of non-white people when it comes to 21st century slavery and human trafficking, oh, these people uh, work together. Now, it says the proposal also has the backing of numerous law enforcement and civil rights groups, such as the FOP, that's the Fraternal Order of Police, the International Association of Chiefs of Police, the National Urban League, the NAACP, and the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights. Um, just a quick note. Um, we who are part of the new abolitionist movement have been reaching out to organizations like the Urban League, like the NAACP, like the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights to be supporting organizations on this upcoming march for millions for prisoners, human rights. Um, some of the individual chapters in terms of the NAACP do support the march are organizing, do want to be a part of it, but we're talking about the national leadership. Uh, they should be leading the way on this. So we're going to keep chipping away. We're going to keep pressuring them to become part of this march. But they are backing this, this bill, um, as reported by the Washington Post. Now, someone made a comment about this, and I do think that they um, made a good observation. And they were saying that we had to be careful. Um, this is them trying to minimize abolition. 
You know, there's a big difference between abolishing slavery and reforming slavery. And so we must be clear on those distinctions. And so they have heard us for years. All right. They have heard us for years pushing and growing the new abolitionist movement. They know more and more people are now calling it slavery. More and more people know about the slavery and involuntary exception, involuntary servitude exception clause in the 13th Amendment. So this is their way of trying to minimize the damage to the system by coming up with reforms. Now, again, this is a proposed law to create a commission that is supposed to study the issue and then come out with these recommendations. Again, recommendations do not have the force of law behind them. I think it's nothing more than a stalling tactic. I mean, either you're for slavery or you're against slavery. There's nothing to study here. There's nothing to figure out. All of that studying has been done already. Okay, you know what the problem is. There's no reason to, that there should be a commission given an 18 month. That's over a year. That's a year and six months. 18 months to study this problem and come up with recommendations. Well, I can give you a recommendation uh, right now that you can start off with. This isn't all, all you need to do. But the first thing you can do is sponsor a commission a constitutional convention to remove the slavery exception clause from the 13th Amendment. If that is not part of any kind of recommendations that somebody's putting out there, then they are, are missing the whole point. They're missing the whole point. Again, they are engaged in reformism and not abolitionism. All right. So just wanted to uh, share that story with you. Let me check the board, see if uh, Johanan with us. No, Johanan's not with us. So it looks like it'll pretty much be me. But y'all know I can talk. So I ain't no ain't no worries there. Um, let me pull up some of the stuff that uh, Max had earmarked for us. Uh, see if I can find that right quick, but he has sent me a link that had all these different stories. I've just been really, really busy, um, and Max uh, usually gathers the stories. Uh, let me see. Here we go. Uh, is this it right here? Y'all pardon me. Said that he tagged me in something, but for some reason, let me see if I bookmarked it. I probably did. Yes, I did. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Um, let's see. Uh, the first thing that I want to share is if I can get to the top of the page because there's a lot here. Uh, let's see. Next story is another element of the profit motive in 21st century. Um, slavery and human trafficking, there's always, you know, slavery is all about producing profit or what would be the point? I know there's probably some sadistic individuals out there that, you know, it's about just being able to exploit a human being and use them for whatever sick, sick uh, um, uh, things that they're engaged in. But the whole point of slavery uh, as as practiced by institutions, as practiced by USA Inc., as practiced by corporations, is profit. 
We have to make slavery unprofitable for these people. Anyway, there is an article that was shared. Okay, this is a very old article where it was talking about the state crime labs are paid per conviction. All right, uh, let me see. Clarence Thomas, speaking of the uh, uh, civil assets forfeiture program, again, this was talked about earlier today on Tanya Free and Friends. Uh, the last part of the program, they were talking about this, and I gave you know my little commentary uh, earlier. But I, um, even Clarence Thomas is now condemning this civil assets forfeiture points to the egregious and well-chronicled abuses. Even a broken clock, again, can be right twice. But it doesn't matter that this is coming from Clarence Thomas. It doesn't make it any less true or, or less credible because, like Malcolm X said, I'm for the truth no matter who tell it. And if Clarence Thomas want to tell the truth, then I certainly uh, want to assist him in getting that truth out there. Uh, today, do you? this is coming to you from Reason.com, Reason.com. It was published two days ago. Uh, Justice Thomas says SCOTUS should review the constitutionality of asset forfeiture in a future case. Today, the U.S. Supreme Court declined to hear a case filed by a Texas woman who says that her due process rights were violated when police seized over 200000 in cash from her family, despite the fact that no one has been convicted of any underlying crime associated with the money. Unfortunately, thanks to the state's sweeping civil asset forfeiture laws, the authorities were permitted to take the money of this innocent woman. The Supreme Court offered no explanation today for its refusal to hear the case of Lisa Alavia Leonard versus Texas. But one member of the court did speak up in a statement respecting the denial of Sir Tory. Yeah, you know how y'all they like to use Latin um, in the case. Justice Clarence Thomas made it clear that he believes the current state of civil asset forfeiture law is fundamentally unconstitutional. This system, where police can seize property with limited judicial oversight and retain it for their own use, has led to egregious and well-chronicled abuses, Thomas declared. Furthermore, he wrote, the Supreme Court's previous rulings on the matter are starkly at odds with the Constitution. Well, let me stop right there before I continue with his commentary. I've said this again. This is why when I hear any person who's representing the system trying to tell um, the victims of the system that we need to respect the law, that um, this nation was built on laws and we must have order and we must respect the decisions of these juries. And if you don't like it, you know, uh, that's you just have to deal with it. Um, so, um, again, this is a perfect example when they do not follow their own laws or so-called principles set out by the founding slavers who, again, were writing about rights that they reserved for themselves. But still, they ignore the law when they want to, all right, when it suits them. So this is the Supreme Court, known as the Supreme Interpreter of the Law, who refused, refused to tackle this case 
where police in Texas are robbing people. What else can you call it? This is straight up robbery. This is straight up robbery. And if I was that woman, I'm not sure what type of case this was, but I would file a RICO charge case on them. That's what I would do. I would follow the lead of the, I think it was the Southern Poverty Law Center, SPLC, that filed a RICO lawsuit, in a civil RICO lawsuit, not a criminal one, but you can sue in civil courts over criminal laws if the criminal injustice system, uh, you know, they won't prosecute. So you can prosecute them yourselves by taking them to court, to civil court, and suing them for damages under RICO, racketeering charges, because this is what is taking place here, is racketeering. Now, I will state that the Justice Department on, and I want to talk about this later, but the Justice Department last week did file racketeering charges against seven Baltimore police officers who were doing what? Robbing citizens on the street without charging them with crimes. Sometimes they did charge them with crimes, but they fabricated the crimes. And they were, and, and so I will talk about that later. But this is what's going on. So I, if I was a victim on that in, the, in Baltimore, I would not be waiting on Jeff Sessions and the Department of Justice and them to prosecute this through the court for criminal penalties possibly to be handed down to these slave catchers and robbers. No, I would sue the police department. I would sue each individual uh, officer and I would sue the city of Baltimore on racketeering charges. Okay, that's what I would do and hit them with a double whammy. Okay, let them defend themselves in both criminal and civil court. So um, in a rare moment, we have Thomas Jefferson. Actually, I mean, excuse me, I didn't mean to call Clarence Thomas, Thomas Jefferson, but we have Clarence Thomas actually on the side of justice on this issue. Again, a broken clock can be right twice a day. So, um, yeah. But I, I, I agree. Let me continue with what Justice Thomas had to say on this. Uh, furthermore, he wrote the Supreme Court's previous rulings on the matter are starkly at odds with the Constitution, which presumably would require the court to align its distinct doctrine governing civil forfeiture with its doctrines governing other forms of punitive state action and property deprivation. Those other doctrines, Thomas noted, impose significant checks on the government, such as heightened standards of proof, various procedural protections, and the right to a trial by jury. Civil asset forfeiture proceedings, by contrast, offer no such constitutional safeguards for the rights of the person or property. But because Lisa Alavia Leonard raises her due process arguments for the first time in this court, Thomas concluded the Supreme Court has no business weighing in until the lower court has properly considered those arguments first. That's bad news, according to Reason.com, for Ms. Leonard, but there is a civil silver lining for all critics of civil asset forfeiture when the right case does finally come along. Justice Thomas insisted today SCOTUS should ca- tackle 
the unconstitutional practice head on. So, um, again, this is something that has been going on since the 1970s. Regardless of what the black Democrat said today, which you might have heard on Black Talk Radio on Time Freeze program, this did not start with Donald Trump. This has nothing to do with white nationalism. This has to do with theft. This is straight up robbery. That's what it has to do, do with. Okay. And 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 they get to buy little nice toys. They get to buy um get a paid vacation. Uh, get raises, a lot of overtime, and they pay for these things from robbing uh, everyday citizens on the street. So, again, I find it ludicrous that anybody would be pointing at another country talking about how that other country is oppressing its own citizen when this type of stuff has been going on. This particular uh, um, egregious act of robbery has been going on against the uh, people here behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. since 1970s, and they put it on steroids in in 2001, part of the Patriot Act. Part of the Patriot Act. Now, what this got to do with stopping terrorism? It ain't got nothing to do with stopping terrorism. Again, and then those people that signed or voted to pass this bill didn't even read the doggone bill, according to members of Congress who were in there at the time. They were saying, oh, we got to hurry up and sign this, or we just got attacked, uh, um, you know, on 9-11. We got to do something. We got to give the intelligence agencies the tools they need to protect us. And they put stuff like this in there that's being used against you, being used against us. And the only political party that I have seen consistently raise this issue and make it an issue is the Libertarian Party and the Green Party to a lesser degree. But Libertarians really do um, look at this as a grave, grave uh, violation of freedom and liberty and due process. Okay, Uh, let me see. What else do we have on tap I did mention, I don't know how many of you saw this story. Um, I don't see that, that Max posted it in the area where he posted these stories. But let me pull up the Baltimore slave catchers. And I know I can't say slave catchers in the search engine because they'll be like pulling up something from, 18, uh, from the 1800s. Let me see, Baltimore cops indicted. I actually did produce a Black Talk Radio News commentary on this, um, but let me pull it up for you because there are a couple of issues involving um, this story that that intersect here. Um, This comes to you from NBCNews.com, and and I don't know because I don't watch a whole lot of news television on on television on cable i don't really i I monitor it from time to time if i happen to be in the area of the tv but i mostly rely on the internet to get my information um but i have not seen any youtube clips or or anybody really making this a, a headline story i just really did not see that but you got seven baltimore cops who were indicted on federal racketeering charges 
Um, this is an article that was, again, published on NBCNews.com, uh, written by Charlie Guile. Seven Baltimore police officers were indicted Wednesday for federal racketeering charges, ranging from filing false overtime claims. And again, this is like I mentioned on Tanya's show today. I believe this is what got them busted. If they had just stuck to victimizing, and I'm sure their primary victims were non-white people, primarily black people in Baltimore. If they had just stuck to robbing them um, and not trying to rob the city, then they might, hell, they'll probably still be out there operating right now. It says, uh, ranging from filing false overtime claims while actually at a casino robbing a driver during a traffic stop. One of the cops is facing a separate charge for drug distribution. Again, the drug war is a farce. If you don't want to believe me or take it from me, um, you might say, like has been said to me, who the hell is Scotty Reed? I've never heard of him before. Go to Law Enforcement Against Prohibition website. It is leap.cc. I used to interview them a lot um, in my early days of Black Talk Radio News. I'm going to have to um, start bringing them back on. But it is an organization run by Neil Franklin, a former Maryland State Police officer, former Baltimore police officer. I actually saw this man on a panel addressing 21st century slavery and human trafficking, and he broke down in tears um, recalling what he had done to his people. That was his words, not mine. So um, they run that organization. It's made up of former cops, former slave catchers, uh, former pl- prison plantation overseers, former judges, um, former attorneys. I think some of them might still be practicing law. But they say, it, 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 as the name states, law enforcement against prohibition. And they say that the drug war actually uh, makes temps cops to do this type of stuff. Anyway, the article goes on to say, investigators said the crimes some of them committed by some members of the elite gun trace task force. Again, I'm going to be pausing because there are so many things that come to my mind. Now, these guys were part of the elite gun trace task force that took place last year as the Department of Justice investigated the Baltimore Police Department for use of excessive force among other violations. Now, when I read that, Gun Trace Task Force, what does that sound like? That sounds like that gun walking scheme that George Bush was running and uh, Barack Obama's uh, uh, ATF was running. What am I talking about? That is where... They allow um, semi-automatic weapons to be purchased in the United States by people who were then giving them to the drug cartels in Mexico. And the what they said, the logic they gave is that, hey, when one of them Mexicans get murdered, we'll be able to trace the bullets to these guns. And we know these guns is going to the cartel, so then we could tie them to all of these murdered people who were murdered with the guns that we gave these cartels and trace it back to them. And then we could, you know, bring them up on racketeering or conspiracy or what, whatever. 
kind of scheme that they was running, although I never heard of them actually uh, making any arrests in connection to that. That that sounds like to me, were they putting guns, illegal guns on the street of Baltimore and then trying to trace it to criminal gangs after somebody's been killed with the guns? Could that be what's going on in Chicago? You know, the city with the strictest uh, uh, gun prohibition in the nation, but somehow we got crates of guns showing up in alleyways in Chicago. All these guns, you know, where they coming from? I think we may have uh, uh, um, suspect number one. It's some kind of elite gun tracing task force where they putting these guns on the street and then trying to connect them to gangs or whatever when you didn't arm the people. That's what that's what caught my eye. Gun Trace Task Force. Now, I have not been able to find a lot of information on this Gun Trace Task Force. Perhaps it's classified and secret, um, but that's what that sounds like to me. Now, again, this took place last year as the Department of Justice investigated the police, uh, Baltimore Police Department for the use of excessive force, among other violations. The racketeering investigation was conducted in secret over the past year as part of what officials described as a sweeping reform effort across the department. Those indicted include Detective Momodu, Bodiva Kenton, G. Money Gondo, that's his whole name. Um, he's 34 years old. Then Detective Evadio Collis Hendricks, 32 years old. Uh, Detective Daniel Thomas Hersey, 47 years old. Sergeant Wayne Earl Jenkins, 36 years old. Detective Jamil Lamar uh, Raham, 36 years old. Detective Marcus Roosevelt Taylor, 30 years old. And Detective Maurice Kilpatrick Ward, 36 years old. Excuse me. Maryland U.S. Attorney Rod J. Rosenstein said the crimes were an abuse of power. They were involved in stopping people who had not committed crimes and not only seizing their money, but pocketing it. Now, see, it would have been legal if they'd have turned the money into the department so everybody could get their cut. But no, no, they tried to cut the system out of their cut and they put it in their pocket. But otherwise, stopping people who had committed no crimes in season, their assets is perfectly legal. We just told you what Clarence Thomas just said. All right, we just shared that story with you on the uh, Supreme Court refusing to hear a case of civil asset forfeiture out of Texas. Baltimore City Police Commissioner Kevin Davis said the indictments were a punch in the gut for the Baltimore Police Department. These officers are 1930-style gangsters, as far as I'm concerned, he said. Davis said this investigation is part of a larger effort to reform the police department. Now, even though they issue this indictment, don't be surprised if the Department of Justice all of a sudden drops the case because this started last year, this investigation. 
What did the new attorney general just tell you, as I reported to you in a BTR news commentary, that he said that they were not, he told all of the attorney generals at the state level at this conference that the Department of Justice is no longer interested in scrutinizing these police departments, spending money investigating them for violating the rights of citizens. They're just not into telling police how to do their job. So don't be surprised if this case ends up getting dropped. Maybe maybe if we keep it in the limelight and, and making a lot of noise about it, they won't be able to do that. But again, that's no guarantee. They do what they want to do. All right? That's evident. Now, here is the other thing that stood out to me about this when I saw the picture. I saw... I saw um, the picture, it was on social media, but it only shared some of the picture. It didn't share all seven of these slave catchers and and, and, um, highway robbers, didn't share them all. But it showed three black dudes and one white dude. And somebody posted on Facebook saying, you know, insinuating that, oh, why they just showing the black dudes and, and whatnot. Well, it turns out that only two of these cops is white. All the rest of them are highly melanated individuals. Now, why am I pointing this out? First of all, this is why I made a post about we cannot allow the new abolitionist movement to become color-coded. Okay. While we do point out who it victim modern slavery victimizes the most, we also must point out or recognize that We have people who look like us who are slavers. You don't believe me? Check the board of Core Civic, also known as Correction Corporation of America. Check them them melanated people out on their board. Check the GO group and the melanated uh, black males that's on their board, their private prison board profiting from this. All right. So um, um, I looked at this and I was like, wow. See, just let was it last summer when um, I think people were rolling out their recommendations after Black Lives Matter. And then, you know, they had a little riff uh, within that organization and Dale Ray McKisson split off from them and he started Campaign Zero. But both of these organizations uh, suggested as a solution to the problem of slave catching in this country is that we hire more Slave catchers of color. What the hell do it matter what the slave catcher's color is? That ain't no solution. This is shows you. I mean, since they started hiring these people in the 1960s, you know, they integrated the police force. These people ain't brought about no kind of change in policing. So what makes you think just because you got a uh, uh, more melanated people on the police force that that's going to lead to a police force that's going to practice justice? No, it's not. It is not. No, it is not. And this is evidence of that. So I, I just want people to stop focusing on skin color and putting people of color, so-called color, into these positions thinking that that's going to bring about change. There has long been uh, collaboration and collusion in this system since they started integrating it. 
All right. Unfortunately, we have not changed it from the inside. We just no. we have become a part of the very thing that we may have been complaining about before we joined them. And I guess some people have that that mentality of if you can't beat them, join them. So, you know, we have to come up with logical solutions. We should be looking to screen people for empathy. We need to be screening people to uh, uh, make sure that they are the type of people who will put justice above everything. Justice above profit. Justice above job security. Justice above any kind of personal uh, amenities that I can get for myself. That's what we need to be focusing on, in my opinion. Um, Let me see. Reform, David said, uh, uh, reform isn't always pretty. It's messy sometimes. Um, And it goes on, the article goes on to talk about, let me go down and give you some of these details of some of their victims. Let's see. In one case, four of the officers are alleged to have stolen 200000 from a safe and bags and a watch valued at 4000 In July of 2016, three officers conspired to impersonate a federal officer in order to steal 20000 in cash. Prosecutors said one officer helped a friend being tracked as part of a drug conspiracy remove a GPS tracking device placed by the DEA on a person's car. In another case, the officer watched a drug home for a full day and then stole 3000 from the people who later emerged from the home. In yet another instance, an officer charged overtime while at a casino when the sergeant in charge was on vacation. The Maryland U.S. Attorney Office said another officer claimed overtime while vacationing in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Sometimes the officers turned off their body cameras to avoid recording what they were up to, according to the indictment. Uh, Let's see. As first reported by the Baltimore Sun, several of the officers were also highly praised, were showcased, in the October 2016 Baltimore Police Newsletter in an article written by Lieutenant Chris O'Ree, a member of the ATF Task Force. I am extremely proud to showcase, that's what they said, man, (laughs) I'm extremely proud to showcase the work of Sergeant Wayne Jenkins in the Gun Trace Task Force O'Ree wrote. Sergeant Jenkins and his team have 110 arrests for handgun violations and seized 132 illegal handguns, he added. I couldn't be more proud of the strong work of this team. Wow. He literally said showcased. He showcased this dude for real. Again, where did these 132 illegal handguns come from? ATF? Huh? Again, they said the ATF. Again, don't believe me. Do your own research and look up the ATF gun walking scheme that happened under the Obama administration while Eric Holder was there and how they put all those firearms on the street of Mexico to the point that several thousand, I think they reported something like 50,000, over 50,000 
people have been murdered in Mexico by these gangs using the weaponry that the ATF was so generous in making sure that they got into their hands. Seems to me the people of Mexico needs to be filing a lawsuit against the ATF and the U.S. government. That's what it seems to me. Wow, this you can't make this stuff up. Like I tell people, we don't write these articles. We ain't making this stuff up, okay? We just seek out these type of articles. Uh, we kind of vet these articles, and we try to put them in the context of 21st century slavery and human trafficking. This is, wow. This, I mean, as much as they've been talking about uh, um, this fake news story about the Russians hacking the 2016 elections, you would think, though, that they, they would still be talking about this case right here. Again, I don't watch every single hour of cable news reporting, but I have not seen anybody talking about this. I have not seen these people on Twitter that look like us tweeting out this story and, and really highlighting it to their followers on social media. Know what they've been doing. They've been pushing this stuff from that the Democratic Party want them to push. This is a huge story. This is a very huge story. This flies in the face of what Jeff Sessions said about we don't need to be scrutinizing these police. It's crazy. It's just crazy. All right. Looks like I um, will be going solo uh, tonight. Um, so I am going to take a break. I'm still trying to recover my voice um, from the time I had the flu. So I'm going to take a break. We're going to kick some music. And when I come back on the other side, we will share more news and current events related to 21st century uh, slavery and human trafficking right here in the United States of America Incorporated. You're listening to New Abolitionist Radio right here on the Black Talk Radio Network. Stay tuned. The Black Talk Radio Network is made possible in part with help from the Black Talk Media Project, a North Carolina-based nonprofit engaged in the production and distribution of independent digital black media. Find out more by going to blacktalkradionetwork.com or blacktalkmediaproject.org and look for the menu tab, Crowdfunding Black Media. Black Talk Media Project, helping to provide you with new black media for the new millennium. Tuned in to Black Talk Radio, new black media for the new millennium. Freestyle, free like birds and trees, free like open seas, free like the change of seasons. And that is the reason we need to stop killing American soldiers without a reason. Freestyle, fighting a war for money control and America's own treason. Disloyal to our own, but we go to other nations and we make their houses our homes. What about our homes? What about our houses? In this war that ain't about you, ain't about me, and damn sure ain't about America's civil liberties. Because we got Americans dying behind gunfights, crooked cops, babies crying, presidents lying, black men and statistic AIDS, and this shit is quite twisted. The streets sweep, babies missing. 
and mamas wishing their daddies was there. And it makes me want to holler because it seems like we no longer care. Freestyle, free life, freeing the street soldiers from this war in progress because it's on the street too. And it too is about greed and power. We need the government to wake up and take a true shower. We need us to get us free because they don't know what's best. Probably ain't never seen seven-year-old little boys wearing bulletproof vests to protect their chest because ghetto children run free. And they run free through free bullets that's ready to rip through chest. Free bullets ready to lay to rest anyone in their way. See, free bullets run free through playgrounds where ghetto children run free all day. Freestyle. Let me wait to see the day when I am free like birds that fly high up in the sky. Flapping wings able to elevate while my mind accumulates thoughts of being free because my voice is not free like freedom of speech should be. Freestyle, freestyle. Like a spoiled child with well-to-do parents. Like not only being royal, but standing and planning as the heir apparent. That's how it should be. Freestyle. Without FCC sons of piles calling out files or free like anarchy in the streets and the rippling roars of the crowds. Like taxi drivers do rules written in stone. Freestyle the way the FBI can tap all our phones. Free to be me and do whatever I want to do. And freestyle so they can be them and you can be you. I want mine totally, completely, absolutely, unconditionally free. No rules or regulations of what could, should, or might happen to what they be. No values claimed, no limits to the game, no special names you need to know to get in. No chains, leashes, leases, or theses on how far I can take my journey or what criteria this poet needs to fill and fit in. Free to see glass ceilings shattered and the shards sent to the discard pile for freestyle. That's how it should be. That's how it should be. Freestyle. Never repressing my thoughts, locking my words, stressing the verbs, and I'm because my speech is not free like the wind that blows this supposed liberation throughout this tried, tired ass nation. While I sit on rooftops reading the alphabet versus the ghetto and screaming out, Don't die, civil liberties. Don't die. Hoping my voice is heard through the nation's mountaintops. And the Emancipation Proclamation said I was free over 200 years ago, but my soul still don't feel so. While the Statue of Liberty presents a false reality of freedom more fake than reality TV, because she just does not reflect me. My voice locked up and locked inside my body Without words, I can never be free So I look at myself and try not to see myself As a nigga they wanted me to be Free like birds is what I wish to be No longer picking cotton on your plantation My arms tired, my legs weak Feeling like my life has succumbed to your damnation And without justification it seems I have become a slave to hip-hop beats and rhythm nation Ignorance spoken at its highest height Played on every radio station Cause they think that should be tight Rocking expensive clothes We calling ourselves bitches and hoes And we think we free shit We more oppressed than I ever guessed Soul searching, looking for Spiritual salvation while listening to outcast liberation, trying to break the chains of enslavement and mental degradation. Freestyle like running in the nights, trying to find the light in the window, reaching for our foundation so we can start a new creation. Freestyle like freeing words of the good book that have been brought to translation and freeing me from all accusation from this nation. Cause it seems like I've vented all my frustration in this poem that I've called Freestyle. My lyrical libation. Freestyle. That's how it should be. That's how it should be. Like imagination, creation, and blindly breaking through borders the way love does. A self-organization of things as if every nation had wings It could fly through the sky like a dove does Free to live, free to give, free to dream the dreams of a potential prince Free like the freedom we had way back in Eden And have yet to see it since Free like common sense, free like death No fickle favorites anywhere to be found Even if you look at every book, behind every tree Or under every little rock on the ground Freedom like light, sight, and sound. Like sunshine and moonlight and the promises of the Christ. Unfettered by the weather, the laws of Caesar's treasures or somebody's man-made price. Freedom flow like ice. Freestyle, that's how it should be. Priceless like faith, belief, and man's free will. Free to know what it all means, where it all goes, and how, how, how it all feels. 
know what's really real. Free for me to know the damn deal. Free like a mother's silver tears, like a father's groundless fears. Free to be shared everywhere, like pain, shame, suffering, and war. The freedom to always do just a little bit more. Freestyle like what we've all been dying. radio broadcasting from our broadcast home blacktalkradionetwork.com 
providing you with new black media for the new millennium. Uh, That was uh, Freestyle, the first track that you heard. That was Max Parthis, our very own Max Parthis, featuring Nushi. And Resolution from uh, one of my former homegirls, Cleo Jones. Uh, I think she's in Germany now, but she is a hip-hop artist that was a protege of Chuck D, a public enemy uh, who used to live in Charlotte. But I think she's in Germany uh, now. So uh, shout out to those revolutionary artists out there making that kind of music to really make us you know, think about what's really going on. All right, this next story, this next story that I want to share with you, um, this next story that I want to share with you, I'm just checking my board right quick. Um, this story points to the hypocrisy, again, of USA Inc. And I mentioned this earlier. Now, again, I'm just grabbing these stories that Max had posted. So, um, But this goes right along with what I was saying at the beginning of the broadcast about the United States pointing its fingers at other countries and saying that you doing this and doing that and violating the human rights of your citizens while these crooks and slavers are, are doing what they doing, you know, to us. So this is an article that was published. Um, CNN Money published this article. The U.S. has stepped up efforts to battle forced labor in prisons overseas, and the move is spelling trouble for some Chinese companies. U.S. authorities have blocked imports they suspect were made with convict labor linked to three Chinese firms detaining goods including chemicals, textile fibers, and sweeteners. Now, again, if you don't know, here in the United States in private prisons, as well as prisons run by the federal government and as well as in state prisons, you have Fortune 500 companies like Microsoft, like uh, AT&T, Verizon. They're running call centers using prison slave labor. Um, You have uh, Victoria's Secret, which is using prison slave labor to to put together uh, their apparel and what have you. But here is the United States trying to point the finger at forced labor in prisons overseas. Again, the height of hypocrisy, the height of hypocrisy. These people here in the United States who are enslaved on the system have uh, do work like my little brother when he was 10 years a slave here in North Carolina he would be working on a turkey farm working on a turkey farm processing turkey processing poultry they process meat they process fish there is no industry in the United States that is not tainted by prison slave labor but this is how this is how They feed the egos of Americans and get them, you know, uh, repeating this mantra. Oh, you live in the most freest country on the face of the planet. If you don't like it, get out. Go to China. Go to to Russia. Go, you know, leave then. If you think that it's so much better over there. So, again, this isn't Scotty making this up. This is CNN Money reporting this to you. So, um just it's just crazy and they go on i mean this is a pretty long 
article talking about prison industries in China. Some Chinese prisons operate sister businesses that can essentially manufacture anything that the Chinese manufacturing sector is able to produce, whether that's apparel, toys, electronics, household goods, said William Nee of Amnesty International. Well, let me say this to Amnesty International. When you going to start pointing out that slavery was never abolished and human trafficking is going on right here in the United States. I've yet to see them come aboard. We need to reach out to them for the millions for prisoners human rights march that will be taking place August the 19th in Washington, D.C. I believe we do have a, a caller who would like to chime in, area code 864. Thank you for calling in to New Abolitionist Radio. Go ahead with your question or comment. Yes, sir. Thank you for accepting my call. I just have a quick comment in regards to Greenville, South Carolina, and how it is ranked number one in the state of South Carolina for incarcerations. Uh, the NCAA tournament will begin um, not this coming weekend, but the following weekend. And Greenville County should not be rewarded with participation or attendance to the NCAA uh, rounds one and two tournaments. So I just wanted to put that out there only because of the fact that uh, the incarceration rate is so high. And I'm I'm learning so much in, in typing. Speaking of typing, the officer you said that you had interviewed, he was a part of in. I was trying to type the name of the um, organization, N-E-A-P. No, no. It's Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. Oh, I thought I heard initials. Yeah, I said L-E-A-P dot C-C. Oh, L-E. L-E. You say. A as in Apple, P as in Paul, dot CC as in Charlie, two C's. Uh, that's how you get to their web address. Oh, okay. Thank you so very much. You're welcome. You're very welcome. And I think you raise a very, very valid point where member in South Carolina, the everybody was saying until they remove that symbol of slavery, from uh, that flag, that Confederate battle flag from the state house capitol. And I actually think it was some other reason that the NAACP was boycotting South Carolina. I'm not sure if it was entirely. I think it did have to do with the flag uh, entirely. But here, again, where we are addressing symbols, and again, I don't want to give the impression that symbolism isn't important because it is. All right. But here we have the NAACP more concerned about a symbol of slavery than it is. Did I say the NAACP? I meant the NCCA, NCCA, uh, National College uh, Collegiate Association, something like that, uh, NCAA. Uh, but anyway, they're more concerned, it seems, with uh, symbols of slavery than actual slavery. So um, I hope that there are some efforts to reach out to them um, on this issue. But she raises a very, very uh, valid point, very valid point. 
they should not be rewarded. But really, to be honest with you, almost every state in the union is practicing slavery. So we would have to uh, boycott them all. Uh, basically, I, I mean, people, it's kind of overwhelming to really think about the reach of of slavery in this country. I mean, it affects everything that we do. When I came out the house yesterday to go to the store, I saw all these orange bags on the side of the road for about maybe two miles. And I said, they must've had the county slaves out here picking up trash on the side of the road and, and what have you. Now, I'm not saying that people in, in that should be in prison that we can justify cause they harm somebody else uh, should not be working, but they should be paid whatever the going rate is for the work that they do. See, that's the difference between slave slavery and 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 non-slavery is you actually being paid a fair wage for the work that you're doing. So yes, this county that I live in does use those uh, county slaves, and then many of these people have not even been convicted of crimes yet. They're sitting in jail because they ain't had a trial and they ain't had no bail to get out. So, um, I mean, it's all around us. If you just look, if you just open up your eyes, you will see it everywhere, everywhere. So, anyway, that was uh, China being called out by the United States as well as Amnesty International for prison slave labor. Now, also, the U.S. Department of Labor maintains a list of items from various countries that it suspects are the product of forced labor, which can occur in many different situations. Now, for those that were paying attention to the DNC um, electing its chairman last weekend, not this past weekend, but the uh, weekend prior, then Tom Perez ended up winning it. Who is Tom Perez? Well, besides them saying he was he's the first Hispanic to occupy uh the chair the uh chairperson seat for the DNC, but and besides but he's also uh President Obama's former labor secretary. Now they over there maintaining a list on different countries of products that are being made with prison slave labor. But they maintain no such list for the companies here in the United States doing the very same thing. Again, stop buying into, it's nothing but a marketing program that tells you you live in the freest country on the face of the planet. That this is the shining city on a hill. It's a lot. It's all lies. It's all lies. Everything that they tell you somebody else is do, doing they're doing and that's to keep you distracted and to keep you bought into the myths of freedom in this country it's it's just sad it's just it's just really really sad and we and it, we fall for it all the time because of the mass media colluding with these criminals and not reporting this kind of stuff. When is the last time you was watching MSNBC or CNN or 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 anything, any of these mainstream news outlets, and they were talking about a list of companies in the United States that are utilizing prison slave labor? 
You, I have never seen them uh, produce such a segment, and you'll be hard pressed to find uh, one. So, it, again, we need to be paying attention to what's going on behind these enemy lines instead of being concerned about or being so concerned about other countries. You live in a work in the most anti-free freedom and anti-liberty country on the face of the planet. And that's evident by the fact that they have the world's largest prison population. So uh, again, that, I mean, that should tell you right there that something ain't right, that that doesn't fit the context of what they're telling us. All right. So let me find another story. I tell you, uh, Max posted these stories on Facebook and Facebook has a, a way if I uh, if you're on it too long, it will start locking up your browsers because it's constantly sending you updates of what people posting. So I got to get back to those stories again. If you have any questions or comments, again, thank you to the caller from South Carolina for uh, giving us that update and point, pointing out um, that very important fact about them um, getting ready to host this uh, sports event. All right, let's see. What's the next story? I'm trying to find up-to-date stories. I don't really like reporting stories that are years old. But if I had chosen the stories, then I wouldn't have to. um, I had no reason to complain uh, because a lot of these stories. uh, Well, this one's fairly recent. It comes from uh, December of 2016. Let me mute this. It's about to play. Uh, ad because there's a video here but it's talking about the u.s prison population 2016 nearly 40 percent of inmates unnecessarily incarcerated report says i believe that it's higher than that um i believe it's more like 60 60 to 70 percent again if you're if you have not committed a crime that means that you violated somebody else's liberty, that you stole their property, that you murdered them, that you beat them up, that you did anything like that, um, then in my mind, you haven't committed a crime. If there's no victim, there is no crime. But no, what we want to do is force our so-called morality on other people uh, whether they are engaged in the sex industry, and I'm not talking about the under, I'm not talking about where women are being held as, as sex slaves and forced. You no, know, I'm talking about those who choose to do it out of trying to survive in America with so many poor, poor people and homeless people. Um, yeah, I don't see them as being worthy of being locked up. What I what, do I condone prostitution? It's not a matter of me condoning it or not. That's their body. That's their free will. Who am I to say they deserve to be thrown in slavery because they out here making extra money with their bodies? I, I, I mean, what kind of person does that? What kind of person says that? I think we do these sort of things and, and we push these morality laws so that we can feel good about ourselves while we actually doing the very things that we're criticizing other people for doing, but we're doing it, as they say, on the down low, you know? Nearly 40% of inmates, according to this study, who wrote this study? I, but I, 
uh, the Brennan Center for Justice at NYU School of Law. Nearly 40% of inmates in U.S. prisons could be released as they don't pose any compelling threat to public safety, a study found. According to the report, setting the 576,000 inmates free could save $20 billion annually. The study published Friday was conducted by the Brennan Center for Justice at NYU School of Law. The U.S., which is home to less than 5% of the world's population, is responsible for the incarceration of nearly 25% of the world's inmates. Mass incarceration has used huge social, racial, and economic costs. Imani uh, Chetier, director of the Brennan Center's Justice Program, said in a statement, as a result, there is intriguing bipartisan consensus that we need to fix our broken criminal justice system. This is the first detailed, granular look at precisely how we can achieve this by significantly and safely cutting the prison population. Let me say this about this woman. She means well. I hope she means well. But the system ain't broke. We have to get it out of our minds that the system is broke. It is not broken. It's working the way it was designed to work. Come on, study it. Go back to 1865, the passage of the 13th Amendment with the exception clause that allows for slavery as punishment for crime. Then look at what was erected after that and the laws that were passed. Then you can jump through history. You can go to the Nixon administration where he said we got to criminalize drugs so that we can target the blacks without seeming like we targeting the blacks. So we can also target those cannabis smoking hippies that's against the Vietnam War. All right. Then fast forward to the Carter administration, which I uh, just realized this or came across the information the other day of him signing that legislation that really opened the door for private prisons. Uh, uh, the expansion of private prisons. Then Reagan came in and built on what what uh, Carter did. And then we can fast forward and it's just, you know, standard operating procedure on forth. And, and then look at the Clinton administration and what happened in the 1990s with the CIA smuggling all that dope and, and flooding our streets and then targeting people. All right. They ain't broke. It is not broke. You cannot fix what is not broken. This is why we tell you on this program, reform is not the answer. Abolition is the answer, not reform. You can't reform slavery. You have to abolish slavery. It goes on to say that researchers analyze federal and state criminal codes in addition to convictions and sentences of roughly 1.5 million inmates who are serving sentences for 370 different crime categories to arrive at the number of inmates in prison without a meaningful public safety threat. Well, why did they come up with all of these hundreds of different crime categories? The same reason they came up with the black codes in the 1800s in the mid and late 1800s to target people, to put them in prison and put them into slavery and then hire them out as free or 
cheap labor, again, uh, slave wages comes from the fact that some enslaved Africans were paid a very small wage to keep them passive or, or what have you. Uh, but that's where that term comes from. That's not minimum wage. No, prisoners on slave plantations get paid slave wages. But that, but this, again, they come up with all of this. Now, I'm going to quote somebody that um, a lot of liberals don't like, and she is a pretty disgusting woman. But again, like Malcolm X said, I'm for the truth, no matter who tell it. And, and I'm probably pronouncing her name wrong, but, but I ain't. Rand or Ann Rand or whatever. You hear a lot of libertarians and conservatives talk about her. And she had a quote that said, the only power the government has is to crack down on criminals. And when there are not enough criminals, the government just simply creates them. Well, how do you create criminals? By criminalizing people activity. That is what's going on, people. This system is running like the well-oiled machine it was set up to be. Let me see. Uh, they went on to say they found that 25% of inmates nationwide are nearly all nonviolent, lower-level offenders and could be sentenced to community service or probation rather than prison. Well, let me wait a minute. Why they got to be on probation? Why we got to make them do community service if they ain't harm nobody? Okay, so again, this is why we have to be careful about these quote-unquote mainstream reformists out there. These people shouldn't be in prison or on probation. They shouldn't be doing community service at all. This is why you have today... One million women either in prison, jail, or under the control of the criminal injustice system. They on probation. Again, this Women's International International Women's Day. I want to keep pointing this out during this month that women are increasingly the most targeted, fastest rising uh, population of slaves in new slavery. So. That's what, you know, and then they talking about suggesting revising minimum and maximum sentences for a crime based on the seriousness of the crime committed while eliminating prison sentences for lower level crimes, save a few exceptions. Well, I'm, I want to know what's those exceptions. Again, if there is no victim, there is no crime. You don't help people get off drugs by locking them up in prison where prison guards will sell them drugs. Okay? It, 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 it's not logical. Again, this is the type of reform where they are just seeking to minimize um, the dismantling of the system. That's what it's aimed at doing. It is not aimed at abolishing an unjust system. It's minimizing you know, the fallout when so many people are pushing for change. Oh, we'll give you this change. And people will accept it and not question, well, why should they be put on community service? Why should they be on probation? Putting them on probation just means that if they don't come up with the money to pay their probation officer, guess where they going to go? Straight to the pet plantation. Do not play as go. Yeah. 
we're going to put your butt into slavery. We tried to give you a chance. So uh, you didn't you didn't uh, come up with the money to pay for your probation. So we putting you into slavery. Man, I, I tell you, uh, Facebook is really acting kind of crazy, man. This is why I don't like uh, uh, doing our group stuff on Facebook. That's why we created BTR Community. Who knows what kind of stuff going on on Facebook? Uh, let's see. What do we got next? What's the next story? Prisoners of Profit Part 2. Um, something from the Huffington Post. Corporate America is just six states short of a constitutional convention. Yeah, this is recent news, so I'll go ahead and share this. Actually, it's not. It is from almost a year ago. All right. Uh, I tell you what, let me go to our uh, group moved to abolish 21st century slavery and human trafficking and see if we can find some more recent uh, stories for you. Let me see. March 7th, 2017, judge accepts class action lawsuit against use of slave labor in private detention centers. This is a report from Black Agenda Report. Uh, this is a website that the Washington Post put on their little list of saying that they were pushing fake news about Hillary Clinton, which is BS. Come on now. Uh, let me see the Ford report on the Real News Network. Does $1 a day forced labor amount to slavery? Well, that's why I talk about the history of enslaved Africans, some of them being paid a wage, especially if they had a skill that was highly sought after. That is how the, that is how the person enslaving them would try, I guess, to make them think they weren't slaves. See, I, I'm a good master. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a penance for your labor. I could just, you know, make you do it and not give you nothing. But yeah, so that's where the term slave wages come from. It don't come from uh, working for minimum wage at a fast food restaurant. That is not slave wages, okay? It may be low wages, but it ain't slave wages. So uh, the Ford report, does $1 a day forced labor amount to slavery? A judge has certified a class action lawsuit by immigrant detainees that could bolster challenges to involuntary servitude in federal and state prisons. I tell you what, I am overdue for my station identification break, uh, my last break of um, this program. And when I come back, I'm going to let you listen to the Ford Report on the Real News Network. Support the Real News Network. Also support uh, Black Agenda Report. These are independent outlets that do take donations, just like uh, Black Talk Radio Network. Again, Black Talk Radio Network is managed by the North Carolina-based nonprofit, state nonprofit, um, uh, Black Talk Media Project. We really do need y'all help. We do need y'all financial uh, support if we are to maintain our operations and, most importantly, our independence. So I'll play that when we come back. On the other side of this short break.
Okay. Black Talk Radio, since 2008, providing new black media for the masses. And again, welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. It is uh, yours truly, Scotty. I'm flying solo tonight. I do not know what happened to Johanna. I did not get a reply from him, so let's just... um, uh, keep him held up in prayer for those that believe in prayer that the slave catchers didn't get him. Uh, but I have no idea what happened. Uh, Max is also off as he attends to personal family matters. Again, this is the Ford Report on the Real News Network, which is a nonprofit news organization based in Baltimore. They do really great work. You will hear Eddie Conway, a former political prisoner, um, former Black Panther. Uh, I shouldn't say former. They're Panthers for life. So, uh, But he is interviewing Glenn Ford. Um, so let's go ahead and roll that. Let me open it up in the... Okay, here we go. Welcome to The Real News. I'm Eddie Conway, coming to you from Baltimore. Today I want to look at a case that just uh, uh, went to federal court, became a class action case uh, against private prisons about slavery. And so joining me to kind of explain what's going on there is Glenn Ford. He's the executive editor of the Black Agenda Report, and he is also the editor of The Big Lie. Uh, Glenn, uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Okay, what's this new suitcase that's, uh, that just popped up? Well, you know, that suit has been uh, in the legal system uh, for almost three years. Uh, the big development is that, as you said, uh, a judge gave the plaintiffs a class action status. And that means that the plaintiffs will expand from just a small number of detainees uh, to cover, uh, well, the tens of thousands of people who have passed through this immigration facility uh, in uh, in Aurora, Colorado. That's a lot of people, and that means a lot of money is at stake. But what's really most importantly at stake is the principle. Uh, the case involves a 1,500-bed facility that was run by the GEO Group. The GEO Group is one of the two corporations that dominate the whole private prison uh, business. Uh, About 60,000 immigrants uh, will be affected now that it's a class action suit. Uh, They say that they were paid only a dollar a day for their labor, which involved a whole range of jobs, just about everything that you can think of that makes a prison uh, tick. And so that means that the GEO Group, this huge corporation, which is uh, listed on the New York Stock Exchange, that corporation pocketed the money that it would have had to pay free labor uh, to keep the prison clean and to serve uh, meals to inmates and all those other duties that uh, go on in a large uh, prison. Uh, The corporation says that all these people 
volunteered to work for just a dollar a day. Uh, but the plaintiffs say they had no other choice, and that is why they call it slavery. Uh, the Colorado prison that we're talking about here uh, is under the authority of federal immigration authorities. But the same issue should apply uh, to the Federal Bureau of Prisons, which runs the federal prison system, and to the states. And the states uh, are the place, uh, places that lock up most uh, of the two and a half million Americans who are uh, in uh, jail. Uh, typically, at state prisons, uh, an inmate will earn only a fraction of a dollar an hour if he or she is paid anything at all. And uh, at these state prisons, a virtual who's who of corporate America uh, is reaping the big profits from this, as they say, slave labor. Uh, that includes uh, a whole lot of so-called defense industries, but also uh, regular brand names that everybody knows, like Victoria's Secret and J.C. Penney's and uh, Kmart. Uh, last year, uh, inmates in about six states went on strike, and this time uh, their principal uh, demand was for the abolition of prison slavery. Uh, one of the organizations that spearheaded that, at least on the outside, is the Incarcerated Workers Organizing Committee uh, and the Free Alabama uh, Movement. It's inside and outside operatives uh, have also been very prominent uh, in this abolition of slavery movement within the U.S. prisons. Okay, so it, it's it's clear, and and I to me I've seen that uh, ICE is saying that the difference between them uh, forcing people to work one uh, uh, for one dollar a day and the private prisons is that they don't punish people if they don't take the job. So basically, they're saying prisoners are volunteering to work for one dollar a day in the federal system. Uh, does is is does that make a difference if you're paying people less than minimum wage? Is that still not slavery? You know, it is accepted in the law that uh, prisoners, uh, the very condition of being a prisoner, uh, makes it in many cases uh, impossible for one to give real. Uh, consent. Uh, and, and if that principle is followed, uh, then the corporation's, uh, the corporation's claim has no weight at all. Common sense tells you that when someone has life and death uh, authority over you 24 uh, hours per day, uh, and their decisions will affect how long you stay in this uh, state of not being free, you really don't uh, have a choice. But at least they'll get to argue this, and not just as individuals, but as a class of people uh, whose uh, labor uh, certainly has value that can be proven uh, because it's what made the prisons run. And we can uh, measure uh, that the value of their labor by what it costs uh, for free folks. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the, 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 the thing that strikes me with the 13th Amendment is it says that if you get convicted of a crime, then you're subjected to slavery, indentured servitude, et cetera. But I look at all of those local county jails and city municipality jails, 
And all of those people in those jails are subjected to that $1 a day kind of policy also, and they work for that dollar. They're not convicted of any crimes, uh, and it's uh, uh, maybe a million people in those jails. Uh, would, would this uh, lawsuit eventually be beneficial to them? It's a hell of a Pandora's box, and that's why the list of plaintiffs in this one detention facility uh, went from a very small one uh, to 60,000 as soon as they opened up the class action uh, avenue. Uh, and uh, that could apply uh, throughout the whole system. And they, they run folks in and out of detention uh, even more quickly uh, than in the, uh, in the conventional uh, prison system. Mm. Okay, one of the things I just recently heard in, in reference to that strike that they had, the national strike, uh, where uh, prisons uh, uh, participated in six states. I understand now in August, like August the 19th, they're talking about having a uh, million families of prisoners uh, march in D.C. for the human rights of prisoners if, uh, on August 19th. Have you heard about that? Oh, yes. And, you know, that's that that's that's very important because, uh, you know, of course, uh, how difficult it is to organize inside prisons. And when you do organize, uh, you can't make uh, the corporate media cover you uh, and alternative media can't cover you. Uh, and so uh, many of these uh, strikes and other actions that have uh, happened inside prisons, uh, the 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 news and never reached the light of day. And so the organizers are now calling upon the friends and families of prisoners, and they number in the tens of millions, since there are two and a half million people behind bars in this country, uh, asking their participation uh, to come to Washington and other places uh, in August uh, to show that there is a constituency uh, behind, uh, uh, beyond uh, the uh, locked uh, uh, doors uh, for people who've been incarcerated. Mm -hmm. Well, please um, help keep us updated on what's happening with this suitcase. And is there anything, any final words you want to share? Well, you know, it was only uh, last week uh, that uh, Attorney General uh, Sessions basically reversed uh, President Obama's order uh, that the federal prison system would be getting out of the uh, of its contracts with uh, private prisons. Uh, Attorney General Sessions said he anticipated that the private prisons would be getting a lot more business uh, from uh, the federal government, uh, even though crime has been uh, going down. Uh, but that didn't have any effect on, uh, on, uh, on the immigration authorities uh, who handle so many, many uh, hundreds of thousands of, of inmates. Uh, this uh, has, has now uh, impacted upon the second largest and growing uh, sector of the U.S. Uh, prison uh, system. Uh, if we included uh, detainees, uh, the numbers would be a whole lot bigger than two and a half million, which is by far uh, the biggest prison population in the world. Okay. All right. So thank you for joining me. All right. Uh, we appreciate that report from The Real News. Uh, you can visit them online at therealnews.com. You can also follow their YouTube channel, 
the real news. And um, a couple of things there, though, that I want to uh, correct. Uh, some of the prisoners that's part of this class action lawsuit said that if they refused to work, they were put in the hole. They were put in a solitary confinement, which, again, the international uh, human rights um, um, community has stated that solitary confinement is tantamount to torture. It is used to torture individuals. And a number of those people who are part of this class action lawsuit uh, challenging the slavery at this one particular um, Gigio group um, said that if they didn't work, hey, they throw us in the hole. They threaten us and what have you. So, uh, you know, in addition to what they did correctly state, this is, I mean, what Glenn Ford said is something I said about uh, Sally Hemmings. As y'all know, as I talked about last week, Sally Hemmings is about her rape chambers are going to be put on display at the Plantation Museum in Virginia of Thomas Jefferson. And like I said, they keep trying to uh, portray Sally Hemmings as being in some kind of romantic uh, relationship with this racist slaver. And she couldn't consent. How can she consent? She's a slave. She was an enslaved human being. How can she be in a romantic relationship? And so I do agree with um, Glenn Ford's assessment that if you are under the control of these people, you can't give consent. You don't have no rights to give to consent. You're a slave. Slaves don't have rights. They cannot consent to anything. So I, I just wanted to issue that correction because I did read that um, um, that uh, they were throwing, threatening them and throwing them in the hole uh, if they did not work. Um, another thing that I would like to point out, um, it was something else that I, the immigration uh, community, as we see a whole lot of people, you know, concerned about these deportations. I've already made my thoughts on that. This is no simple issue um, for the black community. But if they want to unite with us on an issue, then let's unite on this issue of 21st century slavery and human trafficking, which they are victims of. All right. So I, I, in addition to me putting the call out there for women who are the fastest growing group of prison slaves, I'm putting that same uh, uh, invitation to participate in the August 19th March Against Slavery um, for Prisoners' Human Rights. I'm putting that out there to the immigrant community. You need to come out. On, to Washington, D.C., you need to, your organizations, y'all need to sign on as supporting organizations of this action. And one other correction, I guess um, Glenn Ford doesn't listen to New Abolitionist Radio when he said that the alternative media um, are unable to report. Um, it was just three weeks ago that we got reports from on this program as we got calls from a victim of slavery who is on a plantation, all right? And over the years, they have uh, called in to this program to give us reports from the inside. So um, we do have means and ways of getting information out from the inside and able to hear from them uh, directly, all right? So I, I just wanted to uh, point those things out. 
All right, I come to the end of the broadcast. Um, as we get ready to close out New Abolitionist Radio, um, I, I'm going to forego the other segments where we do the abolitionist profile as well as the writer of the 21st century underground. I was not expecting to be the only uh, host for you tonight, but that's okay. I did just hear from Johanan. They made him work late. So that's why he, you know, the slave catchers didn't get him. So um, yeah, um, they didn't get him. So he's just working late. All right. So, but um, again, the prisoners, the millions for prisoners, human rights March will be going down on August the 19th for this year. We hope that you will sign up as an organization and as an individual to do whatever you can to help support this. Um, if you Google uh, millions for prisoners, human rights, that'll take you to the page because um, it's a long uh, URL. So you might just Google that. You'll find it. You'll be able to sign up. I think they're also selling T-shirts and uh, offering. I shouldn't say selling, but offering T-shirts as well as bracelets uh, to raise funds uh, for this march. These sort of things do cost money, so I hope that y'all uh, will lend your support in that way. All right, uh, let me get out of here. We have Mind, Body, and Spirit coming up here at the top of the hour. Um, those listening on the conference line, I do have to shut it down before it shuts itself down. Uh, because I've been broadcasting on it for a long time. I don't want that to happen during the show. So we'll restart the conference line and we'll get our other streams going as well. So recognize the fact that you live behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. There is no question that it has the largest prison slave labor force in the world. All of these companies uh, um, are participating in it. Um, and so don't listen to the United States government representatives when they try to point at China, when they try to point at Russia, or they try to point at any other country about their human rights violations when these liars are still engaged in slavery and human trafficking. And it is a main pillar of their economy. I hope that you will join us again um, for another live broadcast of New Abolitionist Radio next week. And please share the podcast with others. Peace and blessings to all.